Hello, folks. Dr. Maurice Selby here, medical director, producer, and co-host of Health in Harlem on WHCR 90.3 FM and the Health in Harlem podcast. While we strive to bring you the most up-to-date, reliable, evidence-based information to help you live the healthiest life possible, this show does not substitute for an evaluation by a trained and licensed medical professional. It is highly recommended that any advice or recommendations on medications, treatments, nutrition, fitness, preventive services, etc. be implemented under the guidance and supervision of your primary medical provider or appropriate specialist. With that said, we hope that you enjoy and learn from our program, and please be sure to let us know how we can best serve you in future shows. was the wailing from the hallway rather than a beeping smoke alarm that told us something was wrong. I ran over to the door just as my husband, Davis Janowski, swung it open. The hallway was now dark and eerily quiet. What happened to the lights? Where were our neighbors? I stepped back as my eyes and throat began to burn. I was staring at a wall of smoke so thick that it blocked out everything behind it. In that moment, we felt completely alone. Get back, Davis yelled and slammed the door shut. He pulled some towels from a closet and dumped them in the bathroom sink to wet them, then piled them up at the base of the door. Undeterred, the smoke seeped in through the top and sides in thick, ribbon-like curls, leaving black smudges on the walls and ceiling. (coughs) We learned later that a blaze had leapt up about 25 feet away in the apartment two doors down from us after the owner had gone to the store. It started at an overloaded power strip, fire officials had said, and consumed the apartment while pouring hot black smoke into the upper half of the 42-story Strand condominium in Hell's Kitchen. According to FDNY Chief of Operations James Esposito, quote, We believe we have a power pack, extension cord with multiple outlets involved, A Christmas tree was part of the contents of the fire. Esposito also said, My understanding is that when the occupant returned from shopping and he went to enter his apartment, he opened the door. It was full of smoke. He left and the door remained in an open position. The fire received all the oxygen it needed to become a free burning fire. A young man who lived on the 38th floor, Daniel McClung, died after being overcome by smoke as he tried to flee down a stairwell with his husband, Michael Cohen, who was seriously injured. Fire officials said afterward that residents of so-called modern fire-safe buildings, like the Strand, should stay in their apartments, which are built to withstand fires for hours and equipped with front doors designed to close automatically to prevent a fire from spreading to the other apartments. Credits to Winnie Hu in an article featured in the February 7th, 2014 issue of the New York Times. The article was tired, trapped by a fire on the 20th floor. And a Jen Chung for her article titled Fatal Manhattan High-Rise Fire Caused by Overloaded Power Strip featured in the January 6th, 2014 issue of The Gothamist. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the one and only Health in Harlem on WHCR 90.3 FM New York and the Health in Harlem podcast. 
featured on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Pandora, you name it. We're pretty much on it these days. And ladies and gentlemen, um, we have a very, very special program for, for you tonight. And of course, we have Reed Vero in the house. And also we have joining us a very special guest, John Leary. He is a lieutenant at Ladder 1-5 in Lower Manhattan of the Fire Department of New York, FDNY. And we are talking about your holiday safety today and really, um, most importantly, fire safety. And so welcome to the show, Lieutenant. Thank you so much for having me. This is exciting. <laughs> That's what's up. And not only do we have one of New York's bravest ladies and gentlemen, but we also have um, one of the more most dedicated uh, men when it comes to safety and emergency response. Um, he was actually my chief at the North Shore Rescue Squad on Staten Island. Uh, the chief of service there, um, you know, been in EMS a long time and is now a firefighter for the Fire Department of New York. Um, and we're just going to take you through some some basic safety this holiday season so that we can all have a wonderful and happy and healthy holiday season, man, because it's the most wonderful time of, of the year. year. <laughs> I know. You're a singer too, right? So <laughs> I'm, I'm actually, oh, uh, I am. I'm one of the singers for the fire department. That's what's up. <laughs> That's what so, so we can't afford the royalties for like, you know, um, uh, you know, all of the, the holiday carols and stuff. So we got to do it ourselves sometimes. So right. that's another reason we invited you. No, I, I'm joking. <laughs> I, I think it's seven bars we're allowed to do before you get sued. I think that's what it is. Got it. All right. So we just got to stay into that. We stay into that and we're straight. Stay in those parameters and you should be okay. <laughs> so yeah, let's just jump. Let's just jump. Yeah, right into it, man. You know, um, unfortunately, this is something that we definitely see in the emergency department uh, year after year. And I remember, you know, us coming into this program, we were talking about, or at least between myself and you, um, you know, stories, right, to sort of talk about um, this, this, or to introduce us into this topic. And the crazy thing is, right, with all of the stuff that's happened, um, at least over the years in my career, is I couldn't focus on one. But I really feel like that's because there's so many times where we hear about these, you know, tragic events, whether it's fires, carbon monoxide exposure, um, all of these different things. And that's why I felt like it's just a really important topic for us to jump into. I uh, I agree with you, you know, wholeheartedly. Like like you said, it's um. It's tough. It's it's kind of like when somebody says, "Hey, what's that one call that stands out to you?" And that's, it's sometimes that's almost an impossible thing to play back to somebody because there is this. There's, there's just so many things that you could recall in your brain, stories that have happened, and um, you know that's that that's why this is a good time to talk about uh, this topic because, uh, unfortunately, you know during this time the fires throughout the city uh, rise. They the, the numbers go up. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's understandable. You know, not everybody knows, understand how some of the things in their house work, you know? So um, that's, that's why education has been found to be mm-hmm. uh, such a great tool to teach people how to, you know, know how to keep from having a fire in your home. So that's, uh, that's why it's great that you and I are having this conversation today. Yes, indeed. I'm with you on that. Um, and if we just start with, um, Let's just jump right into the candles, man, because this was actually surprising to me. Um, as innocuous as they may seem, more than 33% of candle fires occurred when essentially candles were left unattended or abandoned. 
And that was surprising to me because that's something that um, I do and <laughs> I'm certainly guilty of. And I know I'm probably not alone uh, in that. 25% occurred because the candles were near something combustible, like paper curtains or too close to, um, you know, these, these other combustible, combustible things were too close to the flame. And these seem like just some sort of common uh, sense things you would think. But this is obviously something that is happening, you know, at increased rates, as, as you said, especially around this time of year. And especially when we talk about the religious observances uh, surrounding this time of year. Let, let's just let's just say this for a second. So let's let's just put this put a let's build a scenario. OK, so mm-hmm. let's just say you're home. Right. And, you know, uh, you leave a even the candles in the bathroom. Right. People leave the candles in the bathroom. Right. Just for an example. Now, you in your head, when you light that candle, you say to yourself, I'm going to put this candle out. Right. Yes. I'm going to put this candle out before I leave the house, before I go to bed, before I whatever. OK. Now, sometime after you just lit that candle, uh, somebody called you up with work for a problem. Okay, uh, your wife called you up and said, "I had such a bad day today. You're not going to believe what happened." All right, mm-hmm. uh, something happens with the kids, right? Because the kids are jumping all over the house. They get you frustrated. Facts. The, le- the first thing you you're going to forget about is putting out that candle. Right. Because all these other things just took that priority, which it, it's listen, you know, our brain. Right. It's it's only so much you can handle. And now that putting out the candle just went on the back back burner. Now you're True focusing story. on all those other things that are going on throughout your day and your day just ended and you just went to bed. What did you not do? Put out the candle. Right. Now that candle, candle gets, yes. now that candle gets low. Maybe there's an animal in the house. Animal jumps on the radiator where the candle might be. Animal jumps on the table where the candle might be. Knocks the candle over. And then you, you have a, a candle fire. You know, only last year, I believe it was, they had a, a candle fire in Park Slope. You know, um, you know, our witnesses said that they, they saw the candles there. So they they weren't they didn't seem too surprised when when they heard about the fire. You know, um, you know, it's it's. Almost strange to think. You think candles nowadays, we have electric. Why would people use candles? But, uh, you know, for a lot of people, it's a cultural thing. It, there's a reason why why yes. they believe in having candles. Uh, us for the fire department, we've done a lot of work with a lot of the religions. We've been promoting electronic candles. You know, the technology in, in electronic candles have gotten mm. pretty close to the real thing. You know, so there are alternatives are pretty good, right? I mean, they really are. They're, I in my house right now, I, I have them on my second floor, you know, uh, fluttering at night for the, you know, as as part of our deck, part of yeah, as part of our, our decoration. You know? So, um, you know, it's it it it's a tough thing. I understand that. I understand how people feel culturally, but um, you know, this there there either needs to be a change of a way to make it safely. Or you really need to come up with ways to make it safe, right? Um, you know, it's important what you put it on. You know, if if you if you decide I need to have a lit candle, you need to make sure that it's 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 on a surface that's not going to go anywhere. You know, if you do have animals, maybe put it in a deep vase mm-hmm. or something that would be tougher for you know an animal to knock over or um, you know. But before you light that candle, just 
try to play out the possibilities and what could happen if that candle tipped over or where it is or if it got too low yeah. maybe it gets too low and it's just low enough to catch the curtains in the apartment or the house or you know, what have you so um you know you just uh you just, before you light a candle just take a second and say is there a way we could do this a little bit better you know so i'm with you on that and according to the fire safety education unit of the uh, FDNY, uh, they suggest using, um, as you said, uh, Lieutenant Leary, a metal or glass ceramic candle holder, um, you know, definitely placing them out of reach of not only a small, well, I guess if you want to consider small animals, uh, children as well, um, then <laughs> to make it simple, right? Uh, we'll just lump them all together. The animals. Pretty close animals. sometimes. Pretty close <laughs> sometimes. True story. Uh, true story, because they can definitely um, you know, get into that stuff and, and, you know, cause all sorts of mishaps and placing candles at least four feet away from curtains, draperies, blinds, kitchen cabinets, bedding, anything that is potentially flammable and never leave burning candles unattended. And really, uh, you know, as you said, a great alternative, flameless candles. And I've seen some pretty cool ones with like the little, not, it's not a paper flap, but it look it's like a light, yeah, if, like an LED light. And, and there's like a little... Flat. Yeah, yeah. It flutters and it looks cool. Like I actually, um, you know, this was in uh, one of these like furniture stores. Um, oh boy, I can't remember which one, Crate and Barrel or one of these things, but they had it, and I'm looking at it like, oh, that's actually fake. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Um, so some of them are really yep, good, yep. and I'm pretty sure because we like them. Like my wife and I, we like them for the fragrances. Like she actually got me into that. I was never an you know aromatic candle type of guy. I'm kind of softened over the years, but um. Anyway, that's another discussion. What I'm saying, I like the scents that come from them, but I'm pretty sure they make scented that, electronic candles. That's what I was just going to say. They, they, they do, though, but they sell the ones, right? They're like the plug-in ones, right? You could get different scents from them that you could plug in. And then, uh, yes. they, again, there are alternatives to everything and anything. Like, you know, I, I get it. People like the ambience of it. You know, um, I think if you just like to have candles in your house, personally, I think the electronic ones can can fulfill that need, you know? I, I understand more of, mm -hmm. you know, the issue of people culturally feeling that they need to have a real candle, which is a, which is, which is definitely a, a topic, especially in the city of New York, because, you know, we're a melting pot of cultures. We all know that. And, um, uh, but trust, I think, I think getting some, ed, some uh, cultures to agree to the technology side of candles, I think is important because, um, you know, it's, it's obviously a safer way to go. Attention, please. What we must understand, ladies and gentlemen, is that half the people killed by candle fires in the home were younger than 20 years of age, with most of the victims being between the ages of five and nine. Thus, some tips. Using candles with flame-protective, non-combustible shades or globes using a sturdy metal or glass or ceramic candle holder, avoiding the use of candles with embedded combustible decorative items, placing candles at least four feet away from curtains, draperies, decorations, binds, and bedding, placing candles out of reach of small children and pets, refraining from using decorative floral or candle rings, 
extinguishing candles before leaving the room, extinguishing candles when they burn within two inches of the holder, and never, ever leaving burning candles unattended. While we're on the top of children, if you don't mind, I, I would like to talk around about, yes. um, especially with the holidays and uh, cooking and all that, I would very much like to talk about uh, children and stoves. Children and stoves are, are it's, a, it's a very important topic, right? Um, children, as we know, like to get their hands into everything and anything. They don't understand the difference between hot and cold and Facts. Uh, they're explorers, right? That, that, that dangerous tiny little Indiana Joneses, they <laughs> yeah. all want to, uh, see what the new thing is. Right. So w w what's this big fancy appliance that's, that's sitting there in the kitchen that, uh, mom or dad cooks on, you know, that you adults, yeah, that you adults spend so much time around and it like smells good. And stuff. that's it. Yeah. That's, yes. that, that's where my Mac and cheese comes from. I want to see where my Mac and cheese comes from. Right. So, uh, <laughs> It's, it's extremely important, extremely important to safeguard that tool. Um, you know, mom and dad could easily be upstairs. I've even caught my kids, you know, pushing on the dials, you know, of the stove and stuff. And that's a, that's a pretty scary thing because, you know, like we just talked about as adults, keeping that flame against away from something that's uh, flammable, the, the kids, if that thing starts a fire, they don't know what they're doing. And if mom and dad is upstairs, uh, you know, a fire can, can grow pretty quickly. So I think it's very, very important for, uh, especially when mom and dad are cooking, for there to be, you know, kind of like a circle of danger kind of thing. You know, that's what we, uh, that's what we call it in the fire department, circle of danger. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that, that there needs to be a conversation between the children and the parents that this is a dangerous tool especially when I'm at it because mom and dad, what if they have, they, they can have a boiling pot of water, you know, and trying to get to the sink to drop out, you know, maybe they're uh, emptying out a, a pot of pasta, you know, we, some of these little kids, you know, how you know how they get, they yeah. get on their feet. It's That's amazing. Classic. Right. They get, yep. No, it happened this morning. I made pancakes for breakfast and my daughter is literally like biting my leg, like pulling on my leg. And I'm like, yeah, I have to back up right now because I'm cooking, you know, with the grease and stuff and like the grease is popping out a little bit. Um, yeah, so I'm like, it's crazy. Have to my son gets on my leg and I'm back. walking, you know, sometimes you're walking, you got one leg normal and the other kid's got a child on it. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, it, it has to be some kind of a conversation because if especially, you know, again, we get in our heads. That's the problem, you know. You're in your head. You're saying that I'm trying to make my kid uh, pasta, and you grab the pot, turn. All of a sudden, you got a kid there. Boom. You know, uh, you, you don't want to boil. You know, a pot of boiling water poured on a small child. So basically, there needs to be some kind of a conversation of a circle of danger to know that when I'm cooking, stay out of the area. There's a fire on the stove, and also there needs to be a conversation of if I'm mm -hmm. not at the stove, this is not an area for you. You know. Don't play with these dials. You know, they sell the safety knobs that is really, really a good idea to keep kids, keep kids from playing with the That's stove, right. you know. Uh, again, they're, they're curious. They want to see what's going on, you know. So during the holidays, I think it's especially important to, you know, have that conversation with, uh, with, with your children, you know. No, that makes sense, especially around the holidays with children wanting to be, like my daughter always wants to be involved in every aspect of what we're doing. 
the decorations, yeah. the cooking. Um, you know, she wants to be involved and we want her to be there. Um, but I agree with you in establishing that safety zone and maybe giving them um, one thing I think that's been helpful is like giving them activities that they can do outside of that zone um, of safety. Um, so if it is stirring, you know, like sometimes I do have her stir the pancake batter and she'll do it on the other side of the counter away from the stove um, as I'm prepping to cook or in getting, you know, getting um, her little plates ready. She has like these little plastic plates and utensils and stuff, um, things that are not going to fall and break. So I let her get her own uh, table setting and stuff together. And this way it kind of distracts her from from being there. it doesn't always work, but it's just these you know things that can be additive in making sure that they're safe and, and protected, especially mm-hmm. during this time, man. If you're doing cookies, maybe let them do the cookie cutter and pressing it in there. Yeah, yeah. A, a small sample. You don't got to give them the main batter, I guess, or cake batter or something, but just give them something to play with on a side that they, they feel involved in. And I was going to say, get, give them the end of the bowl so they can lick that for a while while you're doing what you've got to do, you know? There you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, kid, take, take the spoon, oh, you know? <laughs> I love it. I feel like there's definitely ways to do it safely and and not um, exclude them because we definitely want them to be involved, um, you know. But definitely, thank you for that. And definitely, those I, we invested in those safety knobs and they are oh, that's actually good. excellent. Like to the point that sometimes I have to. Oh yeah, for one. we did that too. <laughs> we got the um, uh, those magnet magnet locks for the uh, the cabinets. So so it puts a lock on the inside, and then you mm, need a magnet yes. on the outside yes. to open up the cabinet. But the problem is when you lose the magnet, you lose the magnet. And now you can't get into the cabinet. You're like, ah, you know, then you're screwed. <laughs> yeah. But whatever, you, you make it work, you know. <clears throat> Attention, please. We don't want to be the Debbie Downers of the holiday feast. However, we must understand that cooking fires remain the leading cause of home fires and fire injuries. Unattended cooking accounts for 33% of these fires. Thus, it is important that you stay in the kitchen. Don't leave cooking food unattended. Wear short or tight-fitting sleeves. Enforce a kid-free zone at least three feet around your stove. Keep the area around the stove clear of towels, papers, pot holders, or anything that could burn. Cook at indicated temperature settings rather than higher settings. Keep a pot lid handy to smother a pan fire. And please do not attempt to pick up the pot or pan. Shut off the heat, cover the fire with the lid. And finally, do not use water. It will cause splashing and potentially spread the fire. Another hot topic, yes, pun intended, is the issue of turkey frying. As good as this can be, this is not recommended, ladies and gentlemen. The use of turkey fryers are considered potentially very dangerous. As the turkey is placed in hot oil, oil may spill from the fryer onto the turkey burner, causing a fire. Turkey fryers can easily tip over, spilling the hot oil onto anyone nearby. Most turkey fryers, unfortunately, do not have automatic thermostatic control. With no temperature control, the oil could overheat to the point of combustion and cause a fire. And also, turkey fryers, including the lid and handles, get extremely hot and may cause serious burns. Partially frozen turkeys placed into the fryer can also cause a spillover effect. 
Um, and unfortunately, the underwriters laboratory, that UL mark that you see on your appliances, they have decided not to safety certify any turkey fryers due to the increasing numbers of fires and burn injuries related to their use. And so with that said, ladies and gentlemen, the official word from FDNY, let's refrain from frying a turkey. There's just so much stuff, you know, it's, it's, you know, like, as we were talking about again with, um, decorations and stuff, you know, uh, everybody, you know, likes to take the, the power strips and plug everything into them. You know, you've got, yeah, you've got heaters plugged into the power strips. You've got every single, de uh, mm. decoration plugged into it. Like the Griswolds, you know, it's, uh, People don't understand. You got to have your gaming system yeah, there, yeah. your gaming system, your massage chair. Yeah, everything's all, you know, your, your uh, uh, you know, the sound system's got to be plugged into it. Uh, mm -hmm. The crock pot's going, you know, everything, the heat, you know, everything. <laughs> everything's all plugged into this thing. We found that, we found that during this time, there's a lot of fires related to those because people are plugging in everything into them and overloading them. So they're not made to be passing that much electric through it. When it passes that much electric through it, it actually overheats and gets to a point that it starts to melt. And then again, if it's near something that's combustible, it, it will start its own fire. So um, I think uh, you, and, you, you and myself had been talking about a, a, a fire that um, happened in the city a few years ago, right? In a, uh, it was in a, a high rise, uh, what we call a fireproof multiple dwelling and a fireproof multiple dwelling is a building that is, uh, primarily made out of concrete. So theoretically you shouldn't have an interior fire from apartment to apartment because it's basically like a concrete box. But, um, this one particular day, uh, these two gentlemen, they came home from being out opened up the door to their apartment and they found a lot of smoke, uh, in the apartment. And, um, you know, unfortunately, uh, one of the gentlemen in the end, uh, perished and they left the door open when they were leaving. That fire went from being a contained fire in that apartment to, uh, a smoky hallway and fire in the hallway because of leaving the door open. But, um, in the end result of that was that it was found that that fire started from an overloaded um, a power strip. Mm -hmm. So power strips are, aren't made to be overloaded like that. There's it, electric and fire. There's a lot of correlation, unfortunately. So things need to be used the way that they're, uh, that the instructions say. So for example, like, um, like a heater, right? We talked about heaters. So heaters aren't, when you have an electric heater in your apartment, it's it, an electric heater isn't supposed to be your primary uh, way to heat your home. You're supposed to have some kind of uh, a heating system in the house. And then a heater is if you're a little bit cold, you throw on the heater just to get that little chill out of the air and then you shut it off, right? So that's what a heater is for. If they're not used properly, they're actually extremely dangerous because um, a heater one, your, 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 yes. let's say you're the couch that you want for the heater to go to isn't always right next to the outlet. Right. So again, what do people do? People get that tiny little brown extension cord, right? Plug in the heater, 
and then they'll pull from the 99 cent store from the 99 cent store (laughs) right it's not ul rated because that's very important it's not rated to actually uh handle that kind of voltage or wattage you know and um that's you know that they're plugging their electric heater into that and then plugging it into the wall and then unfortunately ends up doing the same thing like what we discussed with the uh, power strip that little brown line gets overheated and it shorts out and starts melting. And then before you know it, again, you, you have a fire, you know, and um, you know, where is that, where is that little extension cord? Everybody's trying to make their living room look nice. So you don't want, you know, you don't want uh, 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 cords running right on top of the carpet. So where are you going to put it? Right. You put it underneath the carpet, right. So, yeah, so now that need, heat, yeah, right, yeah. that's on that electric line is now being contained. It's got uh, something combustible and flammable that's over it. And now before you, right over it, now before right you know it, it, boom, you got a, uh, a, a carpet fire. And, and of course, you probably went to sleep and left it on, you know. So now, so now you're sleeping, yep. there's a fire starting in your living room or your bedroom. And... Um, you know, uh, again, it's just if you knowledge is power. So it, it, if you understand how it works, then you might understand that. Wait a second, this this isn't a good idea. This is not something that I should be doing. And so what you just mentioned actually just sounds like a bunch of compounded risks. You know, when we look at um sort of this time of year, and as you said, with using the usage of space heaters, right? I mean, all year round, we're using these um, extension cords and um, power strips, you know, but this year, it's just like sort of this concentrated um, energy, which, as we said, plugging in multiple devices, you have the space heater going potentially. And then on top of that, you add flammable material like your Christmas decorations or lights. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, or even a tree, <laughs> you know, in the worst case scenario, I guess we have this sort of recipe for disaster, you know, um, unfortunately. Yeah. I was going to say that, like, like you said, you're, you're right. It's, it's, uh, it, there's, there's a bunch of ingredients here, you know, that, that are, that are definitely recipes for, for disasters. And, um, you know, again, if, if you understand what the risks are, then maybe it would help, you know, to get to that level, you know, when, and, um, again, that's why education is so important, you know, and I guess I see, yeah, this is where, you know, the hope in all of this, ladies and gentlemen, up to this point, because, um, and this is, I guess this is a running joke now, Reed, right? <laughs> where it's like, we are so gloomy on this damn program, <laughs> but we're not gloomy because, um, as we said, right, we always promise that we leave you or at least um, intend to empower you with um, some strategies and tips in which you can reduce all of these risks. And I feel like we do have some opportunities here to really safeguard our, our homes and families with, you know, a lot of the things that we just talked about. Now we touched upon uh, multiple points. And if we just start, you know, uh, as we said, looking at these, for instance, the power strips, um, you know, following, and, and I'm guilty of this too, right? So ladies and gentlemen, this is, we're, we're not preaching to you <laughs> because pretty much every thing that we've talked about up to this point, I am guilty of, if not now, at some point in my life, I think all of us have been, and, you know, I've definitely opened those power strips and that little slip of instructions, you know, usually it's like one or two pages that is immediately discarded. I don't think I've ever looked at any of those. You see the little symbols on there, like, you know, it'll shock you or something. And 
don't use water around it. You know, they got the little symbols, but reading it and seeing what the capabilities are and, you know, what should be plugged into there and, and when you might be exceeding the, the capacity of that device. I mean, that's something that I don't think we really pay attention to, but it is something that can be, um, you know, almost life or death, man, especially when we talk about, uh, you know, this time of year, um, where we're using a lot of energy and plugging in multiple, multiple things and we're all enclosed, you know? Yep. And also with everybody working from home, right? Where's, you know, where is every, where is everybody's offices? Every, everybody's yes. moved their entire office at home. Every electronic device that was normally at their desk at, in their office at, at work, right? It's now everything is there. So, uh, you know, there's only so many outlets we have in our house, right? We have to figure out ways to make it work. Yeah. So, in addition to the foot massager, um, um, yeah. <laughs> I can, I can, I can assure you that there's people out there right now that have extension cords running all over their homes. You know, <laughs> trying to power up everything. You know, it's yes. like, uh, you know, it's it it really is amazing. But um, you know, it's it's you know, again, it's it's an it's an important topic. I'm glad that we're going through it. You know, especially during the holidays and um. You know, uh, you know, something interesting you brought up before is you, you mentioned trees and uh, trees also, you know, again, now, you, now you've got me thinking about doom and gloom. But um, again, trees. So let's talk about trees. Let's go there for a second. So trees, what do we know about them? We know that they could be uh, live or we know that they could be artificial. Right. So. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about live trees. So live trees, I love live trees i love them i i think they're awesome i like the way that they smell uh you know especially around the holidays it's uh it's kind of a cool thing to have going on in your house you know um putting lights all over them it's uh it, it's uh like you said before yes. how you you know you like smelling the candles it's uh it kind of you know kind of makes you feel good too having a christmas tree in the middle of the room or or whatever, what have you, but, um, a nice pine smell, the nice pine smell. Right. But a tree is a natural thing, right? It's a natural thing. It's got, um, uh, you know, it's, it, sh it should have a lot of moisture in it. Um, you know, things that have a lot of moisture in them don't burn. So, uh, or shouldn't burn, I should say, but, um, you know, trees, when they, when they're cut down, they, uh, you know, they're obviously cut, they're wrapped, they put on a truck and then they're brought to, uh, you know, to a place that's going to sell them. Now, there you go, and you go to buy it. So the question for me is, you know, how fresh is that tree? How fresh was that tree when it from when it got cut to uh, when it was bought to the place that you're going to buy it, right? So um, one thing that we could do is we could uh, take one of the, you know, one of the, uh, the tiny little limbs on the tree and just try to bend it, right? Try to bend it and see if it's uh, almost rubbery, right? Because if it's rubbery, it's it's moist. It it has moisture in it. It has um, it's you know it's a fresh tree and it's it's recently had water going through the trunk. If you try to just take put your two fingers on the the branch and run your one finger through it, one you know set of fingers to it, if you feel all those bristles fall mm -hmm. off, then that's a dry tree. That's not a moist tree. That wasn't just freshly cut, right? So it. when it comes to now taking a dry tree and bringing it in your home, and now uh, many people have dry air that, that's in your house now because it's cold out and we're all uh, trying to stay warm. Uh, 
now you're already starting off in a bad scenario, right? Mm -hmm. So we know about all these uh, forest fires that we're having throughout the country, right? We've been having a ton of them lately. And a lot of that is because of drought, right? And lack of rain. Because the lack of rain, these trees is letting that fire jump from tree, from dry tree to dry tree to dry tree. So you can very easily look at YouTube and um, watch how quickly a Christmas tree goes up. Uh, that's that's been caught on fire. Those Christmas tree, yeah, I've I've seen. It's yeah. amazing. I've seen it's, that video. I know it's or a video. Scary yeah. stuff. Real scary stuff. So those trees that go up like that are dry trees. If if a tree is well fed, and this even counts when you get it home, right? So you now you have a fresh tree. You bring it home, uh, and and you know you forget about it. It's been sitting there. It's it's you forget to water it and put water in the trunk in the stand. That tree dries out. It's it's a it's a living thing. It needs to have water. It needs to be uh, fed. And if that tree doesn't get water again, it's going to dry out. It's it's you'll start feeling those bristles. Those bristles will fall right off off the the limb. If you look at your tree more brittle if you look at the bottom of your tree and you see bristles everywhere that tree is a very dry tree that is an extremely dangerous thing to have inside of your house extremely dangerous let's just say you have a dried out tree right and for some reason right because what are we wrapping we wrap it in electric lights right and uh somehow those those uh, lights that have been in your family uh, since 1962. Yeah, you're a character. <laughs> and they need to go on the tree because we've had these in our family our entire yeah. lives. And uh, and you wrap them around the tree, right? <laughs> and you don't realize that one of those wires on that strand is shorted out, you know? Yes. Now, okay, here we go. We're all decorating, wrapping this fancy tree that we bought, you know, 10-foot tree and a seven-foot ceilings. And uh, wrap it all in Christmas. <laughs> wrap it all in Christmas lights. And now, like I said, one of those lights shorts out. Okay, we haven't been feeding the tree. You you have an extremely good chance of creating a fire in your dwelling where you're living. It's it's unbelievably dangerous at that point. Uh, it's almost like a ticking time bomb. Um, approximately how many tree and, and I know it's probably hard to establish, you know, exactly what happened um, uh, after a fire or after you guys are done with it. Um, but how approximately how many do you estimate like per year? Do you think your your um, company or your firehouse deals with when it comes to trees being the cause? It's uh, to be honest with you, I don't I don't have the numbers, so I, I can't give you an actual an accurate number of what that is. But it it definitely does occur, um, you know. It definitely, oh, yeah. And I've seen the, I see the reports. I hear about it on the news. If not on the news, I definitely have seen, um, you know, patients that are that are that have been um, victims of fires attributed to oh, trees. We we've you tested know. it. You know, we we've brought them outside. You know, just at a, just to see see our on our own. You know, do some training on it and uh, mm -hmm. find out. Hey, how, how quickly does this thing go up? And and it, it's not like you like you're pouring gasoline on this thing. It's, it's not like you're, you know, uh, starting a, a camping fire or something. It's it, you'd, you'd be shocked 
how little of yeah. just like a little lighter to light this whole thing up. It's it's not like it takes a lot to really get it. It takes off, and and it when you when you're there, you see how quickly this thing goes up. It's really really a scary thing, you know. It um, there's a lot of the care that needs to be taken in um, you know in in making in in having a live tree in your house, you know. Like again, we talked about kids, right? So you know, my my little kid, uh, three years old. Yeah. So I, I remember when I was a kid, we had a cat. The the cat used to love. To, I don't know why. I have no idea. But the cat used to, for some reason, love to jump into the tree. Like you're there, and all of a sudden, the the, the cat is in midair, going towards the tree. <laughs> and it, I can't believe it. It's unbelievable. I, I the thing. It's like you know, like a squat, like a flying squirrel, just coming straight at the. T- Children and animals. Yeah. <laughs> I would definitely, you know, again, for my house, again, I, like I said, I love live trees. I, I've always loved them, but, um, I'll tell you, I, I'll be honest with you. A couple of years ago, we went and we, we did, we bought a, you know, a, a, a fake tree just cause for myself, I felt like it was safe for my family. You know, maybe when the kids get older, uh, to be honest with you, I mean, sure. We might go back, you know, might go back to a, to a live tree and, you know, but it almost needs to be like a schedule, you know, leave a schedule near to something. Did we give it water today? You know, somebody has to be in charge of checking it and making sure that there's water in there to, uh, you know, to, to again, what we're doing here right now is we're teaching people about the ingredients for a bad thing. So we're telling them what to kind of keep out of the soup, you know, <laughs> we like the soup. We want for you to have your tree, but don't put these ingredients in. It's not going to taste good kind of thing. So, yeah, we want good ingredients. And part of the good ingredients, um, you know, going back to also, you know, we did talk about the space heaters, right? Never using an extension cord uh, with the space heater. You want to inspect the electrical cord for damage before each use. And definitely the children and pets, animals, you want to keep them away from that device. And you're only going to use uh equipment with underwriters laboratories mark that's that ul mark which i've never known what that was but that is um, a certification um, and this company has been doing this for well over 100 years in inspecting um appliances and and other um consumer items for safety and so if it doesn't have that ul mark you know that should be part of the sniff test where it fails and you do not use that device or purchase that device um, avoid using electric space heaters in bathrooms or other areas where they m- may come in contact with water. And then finally, you want to turn off and unplug that space heater whenever you leave your room or go to sleep. Um, and I've definitely uh, failed, except for the UL mark. I think I've always seen that on my devices and stuff. Never used the extension <laughs> cord, but um, definitely had some bad practices when it came to space heaters um, in the past. Man. I think we all have, to be honest with you. I think we've all, uh, listen, nobody's perfect, right? <laughs> you know? True story. Nobody's perfect. And uh, like we said, sometimes life just gets in the way and, and you know, your, your brain obviously goes in a different direction. I get it. But, you know, hopefully, you know, you and I right now, we could kind of rope everybody back in a little bit and say, you know, we get it. We get life is busy, but let's let's look at our surroundings and, uh and figure out what's going on for the holiday season, you know? 
Yeah, you guys, you guys definitely got me because as soon as we stop recording this show, I'm going to go to my room and move some of my appliances around because, yeah. So it's not about listening to the show isn't about like, oh, check, check, check. I've been doing this all along. Good job. Pat on the back, which if you have been, give yourself a pat on the back, but take this knowledge and then go and apply it to your own home. That's a, that's facts, man. Thank you for that, radio. And not and not just not just take it for yourself, but it's you know it's now that somebody has heard this information, it's it's you almost have to take a little bit of it. And and now that you have this knowledge, I'm a firm believer in in passing something on. You know, so so it's it's yeah. okay if you now walk into somebody else's home and just be like, hey, did you? I don't know if you happen to hear, but uh, you know, that's. You know, think of a way to say that's not a good idea, you know, or, you know, because, uh, again, not everybody has the information that, you know, that we know. And it's it's OK to, you know, think of a nice way to tell people, uh, you know, a, a way to be safe in their own homes as well. That's how I feel. Oh, and another thing while we're on this real quick, uh, just because we mentioned space, we mentioned space heaters before. So, like we said, space heaters are supposed to be for. Um, to supplement your heat. It's not, it shouldn't be your main source of heat. So with that being said, it's a very good idea to probably, if, if you're not a mechanical person, you don't know anything about a heater yourself to start a contract with some kind of a company that knows how to service heaters and have them come in the fall, right? Have them come in the fall and have them look at uh, take a look at your system and say, listen, I just want to make sure that my system is up to par where it needs to be and uh, make sure that I'm going to be good for the winter. And even if they say it is fine, a month from now something happens, at least hopefully you've already started some kind of a dialogue with somebody that now knows your system in your house. You know what I mean? So, and they, they know, because then the thing is, is, you know, you don't want to now a month later have a problem with your, uh, you know, heater or whatever it is. And then and then there's no part, you know, maybe it, maybe if you talk to the person, you could say, hey, is there a part that might go out on this, you know, that goes out on this a lot or what have you? And it, it wouldn't be a bad idea to even stock it in your own home, you know, uh, you know, a sensor or something like that, you know, keep it in. Because then if you call them, you could say, hey. I think that sensor went and I happen to have it right in front of me. So I need for you to come and install it, you know? <laughs> so just a thought, just a thought, you know? So this is, this is not the go on YouTube and like, you know, um, DIY project as far mm -hmm. as your, your heating concerns. And uh, this is something that you definitely want to, you know, make that investment. It might hurt <laughs> a little to get this professional to come in, but at least you'll know, you know, that your system as, as um, Lieutenant Leary mentioned is safe and up to par and, um, the FDNY actually does recommend these annual inspections of those systems. Um, and we're talking about your, you know, global, your heating system throughout the home um, and not just these, uh, you know, additional devices you might use to get some additional heat. Yeah. So important, man. So important. It's definitely something that is, that I think is typically overlooked. It makes you think. You know, or at least it's not a problem until it becomes a problem. You know, nobody, we don't think about that. Yeah, it's, um, it's almost man. like... Uh... You know, like like I said, you, you kind of have to have either a mental checklist or for some people, uh, a physical one. You know, like uh, if if people have calendars or day planners or what have you, it's not a bad idea to pull out the calendar and put, you know, 
September 1st or October 1st, uh, you know, call, uh, call heating repairman and have him come for a checkup, you know, um, January 1st, January 1st is a very, yes. very important day, right? Besides being uh, New Year's Day, but it's also um, a day that uh, many of us use to replace the batteries in our smoke detectors. Be- because with all of this being said, right, and, mm. and all this information that we, we talk about, even a tiny little minor fire can turn into uh, a great big giant fire. And uh, the first detection of something that's minor is... Uh, is a smoke detector, right? Um, that's our that's our first warning sign. If we're sleeping, if we're in another room, if something's going on, uh, smoke detectors are uh, extremely important. Extremely important. And uh, smoke detector combos, right? The ones that also have the mm-hmm. uh, CO meters in carbon them. monoxide. Yeah. Carbon monoxide. They're, it's carbon monoxide death is uh, it's it happens a lot more than people think it is, or at least exposure. Uh, it, it happens a lot and, um, it's, it's definitely preventable. One of the ways is like we said, uh, have somebody come and service your, uh, your heating system, right? Because that's one of the ways that we could have carbon monoxide in a home, uh, stoves, believe it or not, uh, produce carbon monoxide, uh, can produce carbon monoxide. I should say it's carbon monoxide, by the way, it's a product product of incomplete combustion. So. So uh, if, say, your stove, for example, if it's not burning correctly, it will produce carbon monoxide. So if it's if there's something wrong with one of the valves and it's let's say it's uh, it's pushing out too much gas, um, then the, the valve is broken. It will it will burn differently and create carbon monoxide. So there are multiple ways that you could uh, get that throughout your home. And having a carbon monoxide is extremely, extremely important. And then, like we said, the the smoke detectors, right? The smoke detectors also. This, uh, do you guys do you guys have smoke detectors? By the way, just out of curiosity. Oh yes, definitely. Good, 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 good. So smoke detectors and are they're functioning. Good, very, very good, very, very good. Thumbs up on that one. So, um, yes, yes, smoke detectors. Uh, <laughs> Smoke, smoke detectors, right? Uh, you know, what, what kind of places off the top of your head do you think you'd like, where do you think are the most important areas to have smoke detectors? What do you guys think? Yeah. Um, I would obviously say the kitchen, um, definitely the kitchen, probably the bathroom, especially if you're running appliances, like a hairdryer or something in there, that might be a good spot. Um, again, like if you mm-hmm. have children near their bedrooms, I would assume would be a good spot as well. Um, maybe if you have a basement where you have your boiler and all that stuff, that might be a good spot anywhere that uh, potential fire could start. All right. It, interesting. So yeah, definitely the living room with all the appliances. Yeah. So, so the, the kitchen is actually a tough one because of the fact that, um, you know, a lot of times it can go off, uh, it can go off not when it's supposed to, right? So, you know, you're just cooking a, a tiny little bit of smoke in the air and boom, before you know it, the the smoke alarm is is going off. So believe it or not, we it, they try to kind of stay away from that a little bit and not get it directly, uh, not get it directly into the um, kitchen because you could actually have, uh, it can go off when it's not supposed to. And then what happens when it goes off and I can imagine because of that, people take the batteries out. Exactly. 
Then they're like, never mind. Right. And then they shove yeah. it under the pillow in the couch, right? <laughs> shove it under the pillow in the couch. And then and then what do they do? They go to bed. And then and then, you know, all of a sudden a month later, you're there, you finally get into cleaning the they're pulling off the couch cushions and cleaning that thing. And then what do you what do you find underneath it? You find, oh, the smoke detector. I forgot about that, you know? So uh, you know, so so you really have to be careful with, with uh putting it in the kitchen. And then the, the bathroom as well. Uh, I can tell you that, uh, my smoke detector is actually, cause, uh, where my bedrooms are, they kind of all come to a little foyer area. So right outside of the, the bedrooms, uh, is also the door to the bathroom. So, you know, uh, my beautiful bride, when she's taking a shower and that steam is coming out of the door, uh, it, it, I have all my smoke detectors connected and it actually goes to my phone. So, uh, I'll be out at work and all of a sudden I'm getting a notification that there's a fire in my home. And two seconds later, I'm getting a text message from my wife. It was me. I was taking a shower, you know? So, um, you know, so, so, so I would definitely not put one in the bathroom, but, um, you, you definitely want some outside of the, the bedrooms and even inside of the bedrooms isn't a bad idea as well. Um, uh, cause you know, think about it. You, you want it in the areas that are going to wake people up. Um, and get them out of the house if need be. Uh, also, like you said, the CO detectors, right? So you, you definitely want the CO detectors in areas that have the possibility of, you know, of producing them. So uh, the kitchen, not so much. In your utility room where you uh, store your heaters and um, your boilers to make your hot water and all that boiler. stuff. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. Boiler for the house and all that stuff. Uh, Definitely. You definitely want one in there that's going to alert everybody to um, what's going on. Uh, I also personally like the ones they uh, like all of mine are connected. So let's say, you know, I, I my house, I have a, a basement, uh, my living room floor and then the bedroom floor. So in the basement, in the utility area, if we're all the way up in the bedrooms, it might be kind of hard to hear that smoke detector going off. So for me, for my smoke detectors, they're all networked. So if the one in the basement goes off, they all go off. So no matter where you are, not, that's awesome. So definitely, something to look it's at. it's something to look into. It's um, you know, at the end of the day, I, I think it's going to make everything much safer. You know, if if you if you have that kind of setup, uh, you know, if you live in an apartment and you, um, you know, you live in an apartment, I I would worry definitely worry about the bedrooms. That's that's a priority. The bedrooms right outside the bedrooms. That's a priority. Um, also, I think an interesting thing is um, there's there's a picture floating around on the Internet of a an apartment that had a fire in it. And uh, one of the bedroom doors was left open and one of the bedroom doors was closed before they went to bed. The bedroom door that was left open uh the fire spread into there. It has soot. It has obvious smoke damage in there. And then the uh, door that was left closed is, it looks like it, there's a fresh paint, uh, you know, uh, fresh coat of paint on the walls. So I also think it's a very interesting thing. I, I close all my, all my, you know, my children's, including mine. I close our uh, bedroom doors when we go to sleep because um, again, if God forbid there is, some kind of a fire. We, we have to give ourselves as much of a chance as possible, you know? Carbon monoxide is what we call the silent killer. 
That is because it is colorless, odorless, tasteless, and it is indeed a toxic gas. With that said, the only way that you will know this is in your home is with a functioning and appropriately placed carbon monoxide detector. People are at an increased risk of carbon monoxide poisoning during the winter months, and this is especially the case in well-insulated, airtight homes, especially newer constructed homes, and with malfunctioning heating equipment that can produce dangerously high levels of this gas. So pay attention, ladies and gentlemen, and make sure those devices are working. And don't forget your smoke alarm, ladies and gentlemen, as it is probably the single most valuable life-saving device in your home. According to FDNY, an operable smoke alarm will cut nearly in half your chances of dying in a fire. While 97 out of 100 homes have a smoke alarm, more than 33% of these homes are not protected because these smoke alarms don't work. So replace those batteries at least twice a year. And, and then with that, that also leads into, um, if there is a fire, it's it, another conversation that's important to have with the children is, well, all right, all the smoke alarms are going off. It's the middle of the night. I wake up, I open up my door. Um, I see a little bit of smoke. I think I can get out of the house. What do I do? You know, uh, do I, as a child, do I mm. uh, run and find the cat or the dog or go to the living room and get the hamster and run out of the house? No, that's 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 not what's a good thing to do. What what the children need to do and they need to have an ed be educated on this is that one, there needs to be a plan. So, uh, you know, if we're going to get out of the house, if I'm going to get, let's say, if I'm going to get out of the house. And uh, there's a, you know, I will open up my door. There's a fire. I could tell you, you know, how many doors there are to get to my uh, staircase. You know, if I go to the right side getting out, if I go to the left side getting out, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So let's say it's total, if there's total smoke down, if you just think about this for a second, yeah. right? You open up the door to your uh, bedroom. How many, how, how many feet do you think it is to get to your front door or, if you had to visualize how to do that, which way would you do it? Or how many doors would you have to feel to know, oh, this one, I have one more, then that's the exit to the to get out of the apartment. You know what I mean? So um, having this conversation with children is uh, it's uh, yeah. a very important thing for everybody to be on the same page. And kids need to know the priority isn't to go get anybody, mom and dad. It's the priority is for you to get out of the house. And then once you're out, you stay out. Stay out. That's it. Stay out. You're right. A hundred percent. Because that's been the problem a lot of times too. The child runs out of the house and says, oh no, uh, Fluffy isn't, didn't make it. And then they go back in. And that's unfortunately, uh, uh, you know, been uh, not worked out so well a few times. So, um, you know, that's, that's a very important thing to do to have some kind of a safety plan for yourselves and um and practice that plan come up with a plan you know 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 what everybody's going to do if, if there is a situation that everybody needs to get out and and follow it and and believe in it you know and we actually talked about that um not too long ago um just a few weeks actually we had dr mark silverberg 
and talked about uh, disaster preparedness. And that was part of the plan. I remember Reed actually, his mom is the truth because she had an escape plan um, for them, you know, growing up, which is is awesome. I think Reed, you are the first person I ever met, ever met, man, who whose family actually had that in place. Yeah, I mean, my entire life, I knew what the plan was. My mom would explain it to me. I lived on the second floor. My bedroom was on the second floor. And growing up, I always had an emergency ladder in my closet in case I couldn't get downstairs to exit the building. I would have to kick out the, the screen in my bedroom window and throw out that emergency ladder, which always sounded fun, but nothing, never anything it, I would want to. It do. probably went great always when you were a teenager, school. right? <laughs> you you wanted to go out, wanted to sneak sneak out late at night, right? Just open up the window, throw the ladder out. Quiet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lieber, you can't put him on a spot like that, man. His mom might be listening. Oh. No. Oh, oh man. Oh, no. <laughs> just just kidding, mom. Just kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. I never did that. <laughs> yeah. Never did that. No. Reed is but, not. No, he would never do a thing like that. But what's interesting now is, especially during this time when everybody's got, you know, that everybody's home with their children and you're trying to figure out things to do. What's an activity I could do with my kids? This is a good time to do something like this. It, it gives you, it, this is an opportunity with everything going on with COVID and all that to say, hey, you know what? I need something to do with the kids today. Everybody's bored of the house. Let's talk about, uh, let's talk about, you know, drawing up a map of the house mm. and Draw up a map of the house, take a pencil and say, hey, here you are. How are you going to get out? You know, how are you going to plan on getting out of the house if something if something did happen? So, you know, having a map, having a plan, it's great. Um, you know, like we said, now is a great time to do that with COVID. It's uh, it's 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 bringing it's bringing a lot of parents and their children kind of back together because everybody's with each other 24 seven, you know, and uh it's a good family activity. It's something to do as a family and uh, keep everybody busy, you know? Word. <laughs> and then ultimately, safe, God forbid, something does go down, you have this thing in place um, that you've talked about and rehearsed. Yeah, yeah. As we begin to wrap up, Lieutenant Leary, um, what would you say is the most important thing that our listening audience should take away from this program? I, I would say that the really the most important thing is uh, I think all of this that we've talked about comes down to preparedness. So it's it's again, if you know what the outcome can be, then you can understand how to prevent it. So um, I think it's I think it's preparedness and it's education, um, education, and preparedness, those two together, they they're they're intertwined. So um you know Word. If, if you know what you're up against i i think you could uh basically get through life safely but um you know I, i'm happy that we had the opportunity to you know hopefully educate some people out there that are, are listening today that you know like you said reed maybe um some people like yourselves are saying wait a second i never i never really thought about that before and you know that's you know, I know you said this. This is all about doom and gloom. This, uh, uh, you know, the podcast and, and and you know, on your channel. But uh, that's what it's all about, right? You're, you're the end. The end result of what you guys are doing here is uh, really trying to make somebody's life and day a little brighter. So, um, you know, I, I I think that's a good thing. 
It's it's facts. Facts. Yeah. True and, story. And I I think that we should also um you know highlight that uh the FDNY does have a uh a fire education program and that uh it, it can be accessed on uh uh fdnysmart.org. So if anybody wants to go there and get more information on uh, fire preparedness and things to do for the holidays, that is a great resource. And they, they, what they're doing now with COVID prior to COVID, they had um, the education program would go to uh, community events, would go to schools and stuff. And um, we have these uh, big giant trailers that they smoke out and they teach kids to crawl through them, uh, which, helps guide them through that preparedness program that we were talking about before. Um, but now what they're doing with COVID is they are doing uh, mm -hmm. virtual fire safety programs. So um, if anybody wants, they could uh, reach out to the fire safety education unit and uh, request to have a virtual program. And uh, for people like myself, I, I happen to run my, uh, my son has a Cub Scout program and I run the, the, with a, a co-parent with a with you the third graders and we're always looking for things to do with the kids uh because obviously with covid a lot of things are closed down so uh having a program like that being done virtually is a great program for kids mm -hmm. so if any groups are doing zoom programs or whatever it is uh you can request the fire safety education unit to come and pop in on your zoom and uh and give a little program for the kids it's a it's a good thing to do that is what's up, man. That is huge. Um, and ladies and gentlemen, we will include a link to that in our show notes. So you'll be able to check it out. Um, but yeah, definitely. That's that's clutch, especially this time of year. But we want to thank you very much, Lieutenant Leary. We also want to extend thanks to the FDNY, um, not only for allowing you to join us, but also just for, you know, looking out for New Yorkers each and every day. Um, and of course, for educational programming. Um, you know, that we just mentioned. That is so, so clutch. Uh, also, I want to thank my man, Reed Vero, always in the house. Um, also, want to send a shout out to the rest of the team. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Giorgio, Anastasia, Ashley, um, Michael, Ben, we shout you all out and, and we just wish you all the best. And ladies and gentlemen, as always, this show is dedicated to the memory of Miss Gloria Thomas, Harlem, Take care of yourself.